Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. Did you ever have the experience? I had it a couple times this week. I went down to an appointment with an eye doctor on the south side of Charlotte and at least two different intersections. You pull up the red light and there's the person with the sign that looks pretty destitute and they're, they're walking up asking people for money. Does it ever make you feel uncomfortable? You're not sure quite what to do? The late Ed Salmon was a pastor from South Carolina and he told this story. He said, just yesterday I went out for lunch. When I got to Forest Park, there's usually a homeless man or two standing there. And there was this terribly disheveled man standing there with his sign, I'm homeless. And of course, he was going by the cars. And nobody looked at him. He got to my car and I rolled down the window. And I said... I don't have any money with me, but my wife is going to take me to the airport in about an hour and a half, and I'll have something for you then. And do you know what he said to me? He said, thank you for looking at me. Didn't say a word about money. He said, thank you for looking at me. And I think that's a common experience in all of us, no matter who we are. We want people to see us and notice us. Our story today in Acts chapter 3, as we keep going, is an account of Peter and John going to the temple and a beggar, a lame man, is there and they come up to him and indeed he is asking them for money. Let's see, I think we're at the end. Can we go back to the beginning there? We're going to look at Acts chapter 3, so... If if you have a Bible or you're following it on a uh, an electronic device, Acts chapter three, we'll look at the whole chapter. But notice verse four. I, I never really paid that much attention to that until I read this story that I just told you this week. Peter looked straight at him. How many people walked by that man out in front of the temple that wouldn't even look at him? Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, this man, of course, was miraculously healed. And he gave praise to God. So let me, let me set the stage for Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, had mentioned wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And now, we, in Acts chapter 3, it's like exhibit A. It's a great example of how these signs and wonders that the apostles did pointed to the power of Jesus. So we're going to read this story. We're going to read through the whole thing. 
And we're going to notice what the story accomplishes. That's the way I want to approach it this morning. I, I just really want to mention two things that this story accomplishes. The first thing it accomplishes is that it brings glory to God for his power to heal miraculously. So let's start back at verse 1 and let's, let's walk through it. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So even though they had been converted to Christ, they, uh, the early disciples still had not completely broken from Judaism. They were still involved at the temple. And at the temple, there would be the morning sacrifice and then there would be the evening sacrifice But in the mid-afternoon, 3 o'clock, there would be a time of prayer and the worshipers would gather and they would be waiting for the blessing of the priest. That's that's what's happening. It's it's 3 o'clock in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This was a common thing. Everybody knew this man who was familiar with the temple. He had, he was lame from birth. It was a congenital birth defect. And there he was. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. There was no other way to get money other than to ask people. And then the verses we read, I'll read those again just In the flow, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. You would think that, right? If you're begging and somebody stops, oh, they stopped. And they say, look at us. Okay, what is, he's going to give me something. Well, (laughs) no, not what he expected. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. You know, God is a miracle-working God. All through the Bible, we see it. The Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel went through on dry land. God was in the lion's den rescuing Daniel. God was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God was with Jesus as he healed people and he And he raised people from the dead and he walked on the water and he made bread and food enough to feed thousands from just just a few. I mean, we we really if we had time, we could go on and on and on and on about the miracles in the Bible. And now. Jesus is giving his apostles the power to do miracles. And he's doing it for a reason. Verse 8. What did the people do? (laughs) Verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, 
They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. What? This is the guy that used to sit out there and he's he's jumping. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What what a great verse. Ray Steadman says, that is exactly what the church is called to do, what every Christian is called to do, to declare our bankruptcy in the realm of the material. The church is not called to meet the material needs of the world. Now, I do not mean that it is wrong to give money. It's not wrong at all. The parable of the Good Samaritan keeps us in balance here and shows that we can help people with our money. But that is not what the church is called to do, basically. That will be a result of helping in other areas. The basic call of the church is to release the life of God, to declare the power of God, and to make available to people what only God can do in the name of Jesus. Now, we read a story like this and we have to say, we have to ask the question, well, what about healing today? Does God still heal people today? And what about, what about the so-called faith healers that have the, the crusades and you go to the auditorium and, and they go forward and, and, and heal people? Well, some of those people teach that it's only the lack of faith in somebody that keeps them from being healed, right? There are two classes of scriptures that are relevant to this. The first class is those scriptures like this one that indicate miracles happened for the purpose of authenticating the message and power of the gospel. That's really, really important for us to note. They were indications of people that in this case, Peter and John, that they were true, authentic messengers of God. Wow, the man's healed. What's happened? And we're going to get to it in a second. Now Peter suddenly has, he has an audience for the gospel. Because this man was healed, Peter is going to be able to share the words of the gospel. Now the second class of passages indicates that God does heal in any age and in every age according to his purpose by grace. And therefore, we as God's people have a right to ask God for healing, which he sometimes does, but he does not always do. He never promises to heal always. I always, as a kid, we used to see on TV those those faith healers that had those crusades and, and they'd go to the auditoriums and I'd think, why don't they just go up to the hospital and just go from room to room? You know, if they can, if they have the power to heal at will, why don't they just empty the hospitals out? Not all sick people will be healed today. Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he prayed three times for, and, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Not even all the sick were healed by Jesus. Jesus healed many people. But not every sick person that was living when Jesus lived was healed by him. Isaiah 53 is sometimes pointed to that that famous verse, by his stripes we are healed. But that refers to 
spiritual healing in the atonement, God does heal today. He does heal today, but it's God. It's not a faith healer. And he gives us a pattern. If you're sick, James 5 tells you what to do. You call the elders of the church together, you confess your sin, and you ask them to pray and anoint you with oil. And we have done that here. So miracles in the Bible illustrate uh, people's needs and what God can do to meet them. And that's, that's really what we have going on here. That's the first thing this story is accomplished. You're reading this story and you go, wow. God has power. Everybody, there's no doubt of the authenticity of this. Everybody knew this man was crippled forever. And now he's jumping around praising God. It brings glory to God. The second thing that this story does is it models for the church the priority of sharing the message of Jesus. Let me just say some things about that. The church has an eternal, life-changing message that the world needs. Now, I'll put verses 4 to 10 just, just to refer back to what we've already covered. So there are no verses additionally that we're going to look for this point. But I want you to think about the eternal, life-changing message that Peter's getting ready to give to these people. In other words, we have a message. It was good news for the man that got healed, but it was even better news for him to hear about Jesus. Because what if he were healed... And he lived the rest of his days and he never knew anything about Jesus and his life was over. There's an anonymous pastor wrote a thing called the paradox of our age. I want to read that to you. Written a few years ago, but it's still relevant. (laughs) We have taller buildings, but shorter tempers. Wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts but more problems, more medicine but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get angry too quickly. Stay up too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and lie too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life, not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back but have trouble crossing the street to meet the new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We split the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. Plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. More food but less appeasement, more acquaintances, but fewer friends, more effort, but less success. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but have less communication. We've become long on quantity, but short on quality. 
These are the times of fast foods and slow digestion. Tall men and short character. Steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the times of world peace but domestic warfare. More leisure and less fun. More kinds of food but less nutrition. These are the days of two incomes but more divorce. Of fancier houses but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there's much in the show window and nothing in the stock room. He's speaking about the American culture. And I, I think there's, I think it's worth hearing that and thinking, you know, we live in a, in a world, we don't see a lot of lame people, physically lame people. But our society spiritually is lame. And people are hurting. People are in need. We have all this stuff. But they don't have hope and purpose and meaning. So we as the church, we have a message of hope that they need. Just like that beggar needed a message of hope physically and spiritually, the people around us, our world, needs the message we have. Secondly, as we think about the message we have, the source of power is not in the messenger, but it's in the person of Jesus. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? (laughs) That'd be the natural thing, right? I mean, they're the ones who touched him and said the words. Hey, don't look at us. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You see... Peter's like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. we got all these people rushing and they're amazed at this power. So I'm going to really tell them the truth. All right. Let me tell you how this happened, everybody. The God, you know, the God that all of us serve. Yeah, yeah, we serve him. Yeah. Uh, He glorified his servant, Jesus. Oh, you can almost hear him. Really? And now he's going to tell them, he's going to remind them what just happened. This Jesus, God glorified him, but you had him killed. Could it be that some of them were in the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him? You killed the author of life. You killed the author of life. That's what verse 15 says. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know 
was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Most of you know that in biblical times, a person's name stood for their character. It represented who they were. And so when they talk about Jesus' name, this is not a magic formula. You know, when Peter says, I want to heal you in Jesus' name, we find that, we'll find that later. There's somebody who's going to try that. <laughs> somebody that's not a true disciple of Jesus that's going to try to call on, get some demons out, and they're going to come on him. <laughs> so it's not an incantation. It's not a formula. It's not even a formula that we close our prayers with, although most of us do. But maybe, maybe today, none of us will ever say those words at the end of our prayers without thinking about them a little bit differently. In Jesus' name. It is that in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. Think about all of the things that happened in the book of Acts in Jesus' name. The sick were healed, chapter 3 and 4 and 10. Miracles took place, chapter 4. Demons were cast out, 19. Sins were forgiven, 10. Salvation was dependent on his name, 4. The disciples taught and preached in his name, many, many places. People called on his name. People gave praise to his name. They suffered for his name and they were baptized in his name. One commentator says the name of Jesus runs like a red thread through Acts 3 and 4. Now, I think there, as we think about applying this to us today, I think there are at least three things to consider just on this point. The first one is the tendency we have in North America to glorify the messenger over the message. Pastors, famous evangelists, famous musicians get a lot of publicity. (laughs) And they're lifted up on stools that they should never be lifted up on the The issue is Jesus and his name and the power of his name. But the church as a whole, I'm not talking about harvest per se, but the church in America as a whole, I think, has a a real issue with this to think about. Second application point to think about is if you're human... And you think about the task of evangelism, sharing Christ with somebody. If you're human, you're probably a little bit intimidated. But you know what that betrays? That betrays we're, we're trusting in ourselves rather than in the power of the message. It, it's, it's not us. It's not how well we say it. It's not how experienced we are. How much great training we have, although that's good. It's the power of Jesus' name. I I don't think Peter and John had been over to Signs and Wonders School to learn how to do this. This is just a spirit-filled church. Remember Acts 2, the spirit comes on them. What happens? It, it, It comes out. And then thirdly, 
I already alluded to it, praying in Jesus' name. That, that's not the point of this story. This story is not about prayer, but I, it's like I just think, man, how many times have I just said the end of my, I ended my prayers in Jesus' name, amen. Like, that, that's because you're supposed to, right? <laughs> what am I, why am I saying that? It's because of who Jesus is. It's based on his power and for his glory that we pray. Well, related to this is C. The most important message we can give is the message of salvation. Verse 17, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. He's talking about the paradox between human responsibility and God's sovereignty. <laughs> you know, God, God had foretold it. God was sovereign, but you're still guilty. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Repentance is not just a change of heart, but it's a change that enthrones Jesus in our hearts. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham... Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. In other words, Peter is, he's got a Jewish audience and he's basically saying, look, Jesus was the Messiah that all these prophets had pointed to. Every one of them had pointed to Jesus and God was at work in him. And you need to repent. You need to change your mind about your rejection of Jesus and fall down on your face, essentially asking for God's mercy. That's what repentance is. So when God builds his church, it shares with needy people what it has. When God builds his church, it shares with needy people what it has. Oh, and you can add one more word, the most important word, Jesus. <laughs> Let me just wrap it up and give you some takeaways from this story this morning. First of all, holistic ministry. The apostles met a physical need here, and they used that as a platform to speak to spiritual needs. And I think that's a great model for us. I think, I think we indeed, as Christians and we as the church, should meet physical needs. I think we should give people food. I think we should teach them how to read. I think we could teach them English. 
I think we should help them. I think we should work to preserve life. I think we should help schools be better. I think we should do all those things as an entree into the opportunity for speaking to greater needs, the spiritual needs. If we do all those things and stop there, we're no different than a social agency. I mean, there's thousands of agencies in this country doing things like that. And we're thankful that they're doing them. But again, where are those people going to be in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and in 500 years? This is holistic ministry. It's a both and and it's important. Secondly, powerful ministry. It's not that we're going to necessarily do the same things that Peter and John did. It doesn't mean that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to necessarily go heal people physically. But we, we desperately need the same power that Peter and John had. That's why we cry out to God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray for each other to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray for our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't have the power within us. You know, Peter says, why are you looking at us? It's not us. Nothing special about us. God has the power. (laughs) I don't don't know if any of you know this. I'm I'm tempted to sing it, but I'm not going to yield to temptation. You know, it's that don't yield to temptation. And you'll all probably be glad about that. But the church in Virginia that my grandfather started and my uncle Pat for 50 years, it had two pastors, my grandfather and my uncle. And it was a Baptist church, okay? It was not a charismatic church. But we sang. Nikki, you're shaking your head. You know what song I'm going to bring up? Oh, okay. We sang so many times, Lord Send the old-time power, the Pentecostal power. Lord, send the old-time power, the Pentecostal power. Thy floodgates of blessing on us open wide. Lord, send the old-time power, the Pentecostal power, that sinners be converted and thy name glorified. Man, what a great prayer for us. Lord, send the old time power. Lord, send the old time power. Well, the third takeaway is let's just have a laser focus on Jesus. <laughs> let's just have a laser focus on Jesus. It's his name. It's his power. Let me close with this. Uh, in his book, book, Sit, Walk, Stand, Watch Knee, describes a preaching mission to a small island in Asia was years ago with 6,000 homes. There were seven people in the ministering group, including a 16-year-old convert whom he calls Brother Wu. 
knee had a contact there. Um, it, it was an old schoolmate of his who was now the headmaster of a, of a school on the island. But when the man found out that they were coming to preach the gospel of Jesus, they, they wouldn't house them. They wouldn't welcome them. But they ended up finding a place to stay, and they were preaching, and nothing was happening. No, no conversions were happening. And they found out that the people on that island had an idol, and they, they worshipped this idol. And they were convinced of the, the power of this idol because every day um, that there was a festival designed for this idol and the weather was always perfect on that day. And so Watchman Nee himself was not there in the company, but this young new convert, Brother Wu, heard about this and he challenged the people. They said it's going to be on April or January 11th at 8 in the morning. And so he said, <laughs> he said, uh, it's, it's going to pour down raining that day. And he prayed that it would rain. A- every year on January 8th, the weather was perfect when they brought the idol out in the festival. And, and he prayed that it was, was going to rain. The crowd got mad at that and they said, oh, we don't want to hear any more preaching. Don't talk to us anymore. So they, they couldn't preach between then and January. But they said, if it rains on January 11th, then your God is God. So guess what happened? <laughs> they prayed. And it rained on January 11th. I mean, they got up in the morning, it didn't seem to be any. And then all of a sudden, you know. And, of course... The elders got of the island got together and they did divination. They said, oh, we, we, we miscalculated. It's, it's, not, it's not really January 11th. Um, when it was raining, they, they got mad. They, like, they put the idol in a, in a chair and took him outside and the idol fell out and they, one of the arms broke and it was just chaos. And people got saved, but they said, we miscalculated. It's supposed to be on the 14th. So they started praying again. And it was clear between the 11th and the 14th. And on January 14th, the heavens opened up. <laughs> Listen to what Watchman Nee says about this. The 14th broke another perfect day and we had good meetings. As the evening approached, we met again at the port, the appointed hour. We quietly brought the matter to the Lord's remembrance, not a minute late. His answer came with torrential rain and floods as before. The power of the idol over the islanders was broken. The enemy was defeated. Believing prayer had brought a great victory. Conversions followed. And the impact upon the servants of God who had witnessed his power would continue to enrich their Christian service from that time on. Do do you believe that God still performs miracles to authenticate his message? I do. He did it in Acts 3 with healing. He did it in that island through rain. And sometimes he still does it with things like that. But, you know, maybe more often he does it by taking just average, ordinary believers like you and me and fills us with the Holy Spirit to witness for Christ 
with our words and our deeds. And he touches and changes the world. That's what we're interested in today. Because when God builds his church, it shares with needy people what it has. Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.